Welcome back to season two of Conversations with Coley podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Miller, the author of the book series, A through Z Guide to Raising a Good Human, a book series that I wrote to start the communication process between parents and children, starting from birth and why conversation is important. This year, I want to invite you to join me and my guests as we talk about all the subjects and topics that we hear about in everyday life, like human trafficking, grief, relationships, near-death experiences, and all the insights that we can learn from these subjects and topics, and how to look at things from both sides of the spectrum without using bias. Join me and my guests this season as we heat up the summer and the airwaves with our hot topics and we start opening the doors and shaking out the rugs that we have been carrying with us through generations to truly be the change. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today we are having a panel discussion on a topic we are all sure to face in our lives, grief. I would like to welcome Debbie Weiss and Melissa Bright. Welcome ladies, go around the room and introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and how grief impacted your life. Thank you. So I will go ahead and go, hello everyone. My name is Melissa Bright and I am a mental health podcaster and also a life coach and grief has affected me, um, at the age of 25. When I was 25, I lost, um, my mom who was my best friend. And then 10 years later, when I was 35, I lost my father. So now I have been, um, living on this planet without both of my parents navigating it on my own. So that's a little bit of my story. Nice. Debbie? I'm Debbie Weiss. Um, I'm an author. My book is available as is a midlife widow search for love. I'm also a former attorney and current uh, yoga teacher in training. I'm kind of a dilettante. Um, Grief impacted my life first when I was 10 years old and I lost my mother uh, after a brief illness. I went on to have, I think, a terrific childhood with a wonderful single dad, but uh, just before my 50th birthday, I lost my, uh, my love of my life and husband of 32 years to cancer. Mm. Um, that was the impetus to write my book. So that's, that's how grief's affected me. Yeah. I'm sorry for both of your losses. First, we're going to do an icebreaker question. What is the meaning of life in one word? Who Abby, wants, do you want to go first on this one? Who wants to take that word, right? One word. I'm going to say, I'm going to say joy. I'm going to say contentment. Okay. Fulfilling is coming to my mind. So that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, perfect. I've always said, go with the first word that comes to mind. Exactly. All right. Starting with Debbie, can you share a story of how you reacted initially to a profound loss? Well, uh, certainly the profound loss for me, again, I was 49 and I lost my husband to cancer. Um, um, And initially, you know, he was in denial when he passed. So that was very hard and it made the loss 
it's much more difficult. Um, so I, I basically reacted badly. And um, I reacted on one hand with my lawyer mode of, of getting a lot done. Uh, very quickly, I'd sort of straighten down all the paperwork and all. And on the other hand, at night, uh, I reacted very darkly. I, I basically sat on the floor of my living room and drank and, and threw a few glasses here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. How about you, Melissa? Yeah. So with my mom's being, you know, the, the first one and the, I think that was the first real life lesson that I ever got from like, oh, wow, the world can be really, really cruel. Like just thought mm -hmm. it, you know, was a very bad nightmare. And quickly about that. I also had my daughter when I was 16 and that's what me made my mom and I's bond so close because she helped me in every aspect that she could to be my best friend, you know, my babysitter, my support system, everything. So when mm -hmm. I lost her initially, I really feel like I dealt with it well, Okay, but my body told me otherwise. And mm -hmm. I would, um, develop what I now know was debilitating anxiety for like the next 10 years until in 2020, when I finally addressed it. So grief affected me in the way of my nervous system was a wreck. And I didn't even understand what that meant until 10 years later. And I'm so happy I figured out what, what happened, but, um, yeah. that's, that's how it deeply impacted me. Yeah. And I do want to get into later in the discussion about how grief impacts us spiritually, mentally, and physically, because I don't think a lot of people realize when you're taking on a grief and when you're going through it, you may be processing it and thinking that you're operating normally, but really and truly not at all. Because I mean, you have just gone through a, a traumatic experience. Yeah. by losing someone close to you. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, what is grief in your own words? If you can describe grief in your own words, how would you describe it? Mm. Can I say more than one word? <laughs> I just know in your own words, not okay. in one word. Okay. Um, I would say it's like the, like the, the dark shadow in the corner that just kind of doesn't leave you but then sometimes it will. And then sometimes it's there again and it just like comes and goes. And sometimes you realize that the shadow's there and other times you're not so aware. It's like, mm -hmm. it's ebbs and flows, maybe in different seasons, different, you know, events that might be holding more emotion or whatever attachment to that. Um, so I would say it's kind of like a shadow. You just, sometimes it's there or maybe it's always there. You just don't notice it. Yeah. That would be my description. Nice. Debbie. Um, I would say it's missing something that you were attached to. It's a feeling that something is absent and you're missing it very much. And uh, usually that comes from love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've described grief as a lead jacket that you have to wear to get up through the sleepless nights, the fitful naps, all the thoughts that come in, you're just weighted down 
by this emotion that I describe. That's the way I describe grief. A popular belief around grief is you can't find a silver lining or a positive from a loss. My positive for me, I lost my child. I lost my child to poor medical care. Because of that loss and my desire to make it right because the doctor that was my doctor did not come to me. She completely cast me aside onto the doctor that was on call and dealt with me. But he admitted to my face that he did the wrong thing. And that if he would have acted differently, my child would still be there. That made me upset. And so I wanted to sue. In those days, suing on a stillbirth was, eh, you may or may not win. So my mother-in-law, who is a bear and was like, we're not giving this up, went after their licenses. And those licenses were pulled. Those people lost their license. And I was not the only person that was damaged. So that was my silver lining. That is how I dealt with my grief. In your experiences, ladies, did you ever find a positive or a silver lining from your loss? Hmm. Debbie, do you want to take this one first? I mean, I don't care. I just hate to be honest. I, I can one. try. Um, <laughs> initially, the, I did not see any silver lining. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think that for me, what was interesting is that any of the, I don't want to say positives from this, but maybe positive change from this came only about three or four years after the loss. So for me, the positives came with time and what that, and they still weren't like an upside as with that type of loss, but they did come from finding joy again and, and contentment to get back to the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. and changing and living in ways that I never had when I was half of a couple because I'd been with my late husband since I was 17 and mm -hmm. I'd known him since I was seven and I was very much a person who was only half a couple mm -hmm. and honestly if I'd stayed married um, I never would have had the experiences I had or written a book or I, I got a master's and at a, a less trivial level um, I never would have become a more empathetic, less judgmental person who could interact better with people. And I hope offer some modicum of help and compassion. Yeah. Melissa, I mean, that was beautiful. And I, I mm -hmm. like the way that you said, you know, not necessarily a positive, but a positive change. And, and I feel that I relate to that too, because mine came 10 years later after I lost my mom. 2020 COVID for whatever reason that I wanted to talk to her more than I had ever had in the 10 years prior. And so that basically led to like a nervous breakdown, if you will. And I finally sought professional help and simultaneously while getting my own professional help, I started my podcast, which catapulted me into my healing journey and kind of like Debbie was saying, you know, if, if things wouldn't have happened maybe we wouldn't be where we are. You know, I don't know that I would have went on a healing journey. I don't know if I would have ever have gotten to a higher self, you know, but mm -hmm. through 
losing now both parents and being completely on my own, I guess there was no other option. And I'm glad I chose this option um, because the other options of anxiety and not dealing with it was not clearly working. Um, so right. the positive change I would say would be the, the positive thing. Nice. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, when they're grieving, it's hard for them to find anything to be, I guess, to live for maybe. Cause when we lose somebody that's super close to us, we can't understand why we are still here. That's a, at least the way I was viewing it. Why am I still here? Did any of the, any of you experience that yourselves surrounding the death of your loved one? Like, did you look at yourself and be like, well, I can't understand why I'm still here and they are not. I can speak to that. Yeah, I did. Because I mean, when I lost my husband, I was 50, almost 50. And I'd been with him for 32 years and uh, he was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I'd known him since I was seven. We'd grown up. He was my, he was my person. I I'd quit law 10 years before. So my life was him. That was my life. And I really didn't understand. Well, a, I'd already lost my mom. So it kind of felt like I gave it the office and when I was young and B, I really sort of didn't understand, well, why am I supposed to, how am I supposed to put a life together? My life revolved around George, who was my husband. So I, I very much did feel that way. And again, it wasn't until I had to say, well, I am still here. And honestly, I didn't want to freak out my poor father that I had to say, okay, what am I, what am I going to do with, with, with this time with what I have mm -hmm. left and mm -hmm. to, to a, a, appreciate that it was a privilege. Yeah. yeah. For me, I, I don't know that I have ever felt that what I felt when losing her in years later was like getting older, me mm -hmm. being somebody totally different than I was at 25 thinking I knew everything. Well, lose your mom and that'll tell you real quick that you don't know <laughs> anything. Right. Um, so for me, I think I got more sad about what we most get sad about is they're not getting to be here for whatever that is or things that she may have tried to talk to me about when I was younger, but I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to say to me, mom. Like you're trying to have a mom and daughter moment, but I didn't realize that until maybe older. So then I got kind of sad about some of the things that she had to go through and live through that. I didn't understand what she was trying to tell me. So, um, I don't know if that was guilt around that, but maybe just more sadness for her, maybe wishing she had like a, a better life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are other griefs we encounter besides the death of a loved one? Can you guys maybe pinpoint any? For me, the, you know, the loss of a relationship, that one's close for me now. Cause I just got out of a seven year relationship, um, back in November and that grief is, is so strange because the person is still living and yet you are still having to live your life without them, not talk to them, not see them. It's a whole different type of grief, but it's, it's there and it's, it's hard. And I definitely, I think at one moment in the last couple of months, I've asked, you know, which one was harder losing my mom or losing somebody that is still 
10 minutes down the road that I can no longer interact with or whatever, you know, and of course I didn't really, it's just a question you ask yourself. I didn't have an answer, but yeah, those are hard. You know, people that go through divorces or whatever, it's losing people that are still living here. Yeah, I agree. Debbie. Yeah, I, I agree, Melissa. I'm so sorry. I think those kinds of relationships, breakups are so hard and people don't take them seriously enough and that they can leave you with doubts and thoughts that honestly being widowed, you know, I know my husband and I loved each other dearly and would still be together. It's just, it's a, it's a different thing. Um, I'm a little older. So what came to my mind in an odd way is a way of life. Mm. You know, the world has changed so fast. COVID I remember took so much away at that time. And I guess I'm, I'm looking at kind of a way of life, the way things were, um, maybe a community, uh, that type of thing. I know for, I think people losing sometimes being widowed, divorced, whatever, you know, you lose your community. You use, you lose the way you live. If you Mm -hmm. want to add different times like COVID or something, or just changes in the world, you, you lose a sense of, of kind of a way of being. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Mm Did grief ever take you to a dark place? And do you want to share that experience? And it doesn't have to be necessarily the death. It could be if a grief of, like you said, Melissa, mm-hmm. a, a living person. Because I can I can completely echo that. You know, I know what it's like to live some or lose somebody that lives mm-hmm. and breathes, but you can't communicate with them. So did grief ever take any of you to a dark place? I, I would be lying if I would I'd say it didn't for both my mom and, you know, for the loss of my relationship. However, if I had to compare, I think this time just sitting with my emotions and, and knowing that sometime there'll be a different side, I guess, Um, but I didn't try to avoid it this time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I knew that the sadness was going to be here and I wasn't like, why are you sad? It's like, no, you're supposed to be sad. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely dark times, definitely drinking times, definitely don't want to get out of bed times. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will not deny that for a second. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Debbie. Oh Yeah. Um, when I lost my husband, I was in, I was in a darker place. I was in a dark place, but you know, the darker times came to me probably maybe into sort of like the second year. People say that, that widowhood is harder. The darker time, the really dark times uh, came to me when I'd sort of calmed down enough and I wasn't drinking as much, but I was looking at, I was supposed to be pulling my life together and how was I going to live? And he wasn't in the world anymore. And how could I make sense of a world without him and want to be in this world? And everybody, and a lot of people, you know, you don't get that. They're like, are you over it? Are you better? I was healthy. I looked fine. So people were acting like, well, this is such a great opportunity. And it's like, yeah, you're going home to your spouse, man. Mm-hmm. So I was getting, I was really dark and I was dating. Um, and that when I was seeing what that was like, that was really making me contemplate that my future was, was probably might be very, very well likely as a single person, which isn't the end of the world. But again, I was getting very dark looking at kind of like, well, what is my life really going to be like? 
you know, for the next 20 years when I stopped living on takeout and Netflix. Um, in fact, I didn't feel like people were dealing with the darkness enough. And that's kind of what led me to write my book because mm. I felt like people were looking at widowhood, like this course in self-improvement and you get over it. And it was felt so unreal to me that I was writing, blogging on the Huffington Post about it, I'm blogging in general. And that kind of led to part of why I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. When you were in those dark places, girls, what finally was the thing that kind of shed the light where it was like, okay, I need to get out of this space. I don't even know. <laughs> if you know, Debbie, you can go ahead. Cause I'm not sure. Um, you know, for me, it, it's amorphous. I think you're right. Like I can't exactly say what, but I would say enough time passed that And again, this is a different situation because, you know, I was widowed 10 years ago. um, So my breakup's not fresh. My life is very different now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can really look back. But, you know, what I could look back on is the fact that I just started very slowly to do some things that I enjoyed. And I started to fill my time. The things that my late husband never wanted to travel. So I traveled. I joined Mm -hmm. a yoga studio. I made a group of girlfriends. What I, so I guess- to some, I joined hiking groups to summarize this kind of awkwardly now is that I started to make connections on my own. Mm. And that was what helped me was to start to make connections that were unrelated to my old life and to realize that I could create new memories, but it didn't feel like there was always this phantom of, of George by my side mm-hmm. and to start to make connections and feel that I wasn't isolated in this world, even if I um, no longer was, had a partner. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because mine, I feel like was opposite with my mom. I was younger. I was 25. And so I had all the friends around me, you know, at that time that I feel like I was always busy. I was always busy. And so it didn't seem as rough per se, but like whenever my boyfriend and I broke up, if we're talking about that grief, that's when I now with it being seven months, I've done a lot of things that him and I wouldn't have otherwise done, but I don't have the 10 million, like the 10,000 friends or even the 10 friends. It's like, oh man, it's just Melissa right now. And like navigating that. So I have kind of have done what Debbie's done, you know, doing stuff that maybe my ex and I wouldn't have done to be able to find my joy again. Cause well, that's what I need to do now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do kind of want to highlight that grief doesn't have to be packaged in death. It can be the loss of a job, the loss of a spouse, the loss of, you know, a divorce. It could be a breakup. It could be the loss of a job, a job that you loved. People go through these griefs and sometimes we sink to those darker places. It's realizing that you're in the dark place and saying, I need to get out of the dark place. So let's talk a little bit about what grief does to us. First, we'll start with mentally. Can either one of you maybe recount what a deep grief did to you mentally? Were you able to like pinpoint what it was doing to you mentally? For me, I could see myself sinking into a depression. The world looked darker to me until the sunshine came out. Now, did I know that in those moments? It's been 28 years for me since I lost my son. No, but when the sun came out, 
that's when I noticed that I was viewing the world in a darker shade than that bright, sunny, new beginning kind of mindset. Oh, yeah. When I lost my mom, I think over the years, I definitely felt like, um, well, for sure, like a victim. Like I was so sad. I was pissed off at the world that you took my mom at 25. And then I was even more mad that like it took away my naiveness. Like I had all these bright plans for my future without my mom's support. And it like got taken away, I feel. Yeah. So that really, really messed me up because I lost my biggest support system ever. And I just felt very like, what is the word? Like dealt a shitty hand, I guess, is for yeah. lack of better words. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great way of putting it because at 25, you need your mom, especially mm-hmm. being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Wow. Debbie? Well, yeah, that really brought some stuff up for me too, because <laughs> I lost my mom when I was 10. And I don't think about that oh. a lot. You know, when I lost my husband, um, I kind of became sort of cynical. I'm that's, that's my natural bent probably as a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and I lost my IQ. I couldn't read a book. I couldn't focus. I'd been his caregiver. Um, the world did seem a little darker in some ways. It seemed a little brighter because I was still alive mm-hmm. and I, and that, and I knew that, um, but I lost my brain power and it was very disconcerting and I couldn't focus and even with my, like my phone map maps, apps and things, I would still get lost. And I didn't understand why I couldn't figure out my life. And I wish I'd been more gentle with myself. That's my advice to a new griever about anything. Please be gentle. Give yourself way more time than you think. Cause it took me a long time to get my brain back. And it's like, I'm really proudest that when I'm back to school um, and I got my MFA in creative writing in 2020, and it meant like my brain's back, you know, and when I could read a book again, my brain was back. I felt like at least I was me. The hardest thing in some sense was losing my sense of like, what happened to to this brain? What happened to the person who, you know, passed the bar first time? What, What happened to this person who's happy alone with a book? I couldn't sit still. I was so anxious and amped. And that's one thing I really realized I'd lost was my sense of ease because I was so busy trying to drive myself to an event to get out of the house, to try to recover. And pushing so hard and push, pushing so much energy at it, I completely lost that ease. And then later I realized um, I'd led a super, super cautious life because of losing my mom. You know, I'm super close to my dad. I never wanted to let him after out of my sight after my mom because, you know, a parent can die, right? You got to keep an eye on him. That'll keep him there. And yeah. it's only later when I was 50 that I sort of went, well, okay, what are the things I might've wanted to do when I was younger, but I didn't because I married my high school sweetheart and went straight from college to law school at at universities that were within an hour of my house. Mm. So it was almost later that I kind of started to integrate the loss of my mom and kind of go back to what did I want to do in an adolescent kind of way. Did that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. it did. It did. (laughs) What about spiritually? Did losing your loved one or having that grief happen to you suddenly? Did it do anything to you spiritually? I had a whole spiritual fuck you is what I had 
for a <laughs> while until life and the universe decided to say, ha ha ha, fuck you back. <laughs> now wake up <laughs> and take something out of this. So what about you ladies? Did you experience an, a, a spiritual maybe breakdown, an awakening, anything like that? Mm. When I was 25, I was not very spiritual. I won't lie. And I'm just now getting like really, really into it. So at least for this, this loss, like my breakup, um, I'm so, I'm so happy that I, I have spirituality in terms of meditation and believing that there is something in, you know, inside me greater than me, um, that has helped me because when you don't have, you know, mom, dad, whatever. Uh, but when I was 25, I didn't have spirituality. Like I believed in God, but I didn't do what I do these days. So mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. really talk too much about that. Debbie. Um, I've never been a particularly religious person. Um, certainly not since I was 10, because I figured, you know, this is a 10 year old brain in an ordered universe. There was no reason to take my mother. Yeah. Um, good point. So I, I, I'm kind of, I, I'm pretty much an atheist. Um, gotcha. and, but interest. And when I lost George, I could only, again, look at, well, you live in a random universe, so it's not, you know, the, the world isn't out to get you, but that, that doesn't mean it isn't a hostile universe. Mm -hmm. And it honestly wasn't until some years later that I feel like, honestly, in one part, I made it took enough steps to make my life better, but I also felt the universe helped me out. You know, mm. looking back, I've been very lucky in terms of being healthy. I have an amazing dad. He's still with us at 93. Um, five years ago, I met my partner. He was at a low point. He said he manifested me. When I met him, he was grieving his mom. Mm. And we decided to be friends. And then two years ago, we moved. And my life is really is, is different now. And I do believe in a kind of cosmic karma and universe. Right. But weirdly enough, I, I haven't, I started to feel that way at you know, in my late fifties. Okay. I like that. So Thank you for saying that. What about physically, Melissa, we're going to hand that one to you because you mentioned that your body was reacting to your mm. grief. So do you want to share? Yeah, this, this one is probably the biggest one that's affected me is the anxiety. Um, I'll never forget the first time, you know, I can't say maybe it was two months after I lost my mom, me and all my um, friends were going to a restaurant and I felt something going on inside me. And this was 12 years ago. So whatever phone I had, but I Googled like whatever was happening. And it said, this is, this is probably anxiety. So then ever since then I was like, oh, this is anxiety. And that's all I thought. Well, as the years went on, it would get, it got worse, but then I started asking more questions. And so I'm starting to notice at when is it happening? And I, I, saw that it was happening when life was so great when me and my daughter and my ex were together and we were camping and we were doing this that's when it ramped up and i finally realized oh my god my anxiety is happening because i am waiting for the next shoe to drop what else is going to happen who else am i going to lose um and so my body was so worried and trying to prepare myself for another loss. 
And so once I finally realized that that's in 2020, when I started to, I finally went to therapy and that's when somebody really explained like what it is, what's happening inside your body. And once I became aware and more educated about it, I felt like it no longer had this big power over me. Like I was just powerless over and I can't do anything. It was like, no, I can kind of talk back to it and say like, whatever is happening, whatever thought just shot across my brain, I'm not really in danger. It just, I just think I am. Um, and so I've learned, you know, tools, meditation, all kinds of stuff, but it, it really, really messed with a lot of so many good times vacations because my body was just an absolute wreck. It also comes, you know, not that this matters, but like, um, when I put a lot of pressure on myself, like I'm about to do like a big move or something. Um, but yeah, oh my God, anxiety was, I don't wish that on anybody because it all kinds of transpires in people differently. And mine was nausea. And my boyfriend always said to me, I, I don't understand what it feels like. Can you explain it? And I said, my anxiety for me was if somebody would come up behind me and scare me in that moment that you jump and your heart races, that's my body for seven hours. It's not oh, just five yeah. minutes. It's for right. seven hours. And that was the only way I could. And I'm like, I can't live like this. I cannot do this. 10 years was long enough. So right. I'm so glad I got help. <laughs> yeah. Debbie. Um, it's interesting. You say that Melissa, cause I have anxiety and I've had it my whole life. Um, mm -hmm. and it's much better now than it has been. And it got much worse. You know, when my husband was, was dying, I was probably in worse shape physically than after he died because yeah. I was his caregiver and I was waking up in the middle of the night to give him his things he needed. I'm, I'm blanking on what it is, but you, you break a pneumonia capsule when someone's not breathing properly and we didn't have enough help and being his caregiver and he was in denial and that was a mess. I had hives and this, this was ugly. Yeah. So I was pretty much physically a mess uh, when he died. And then actually afterwards, I was probably in, in some better shape. I still didn't sleep but I didn't think I was killing the poor man. You know, I wasn't mm. responsible for another person. Um, grief therapy helped me tremendously. Yeah. Um, I'm still in therapy for anxiety and it's much better, but I, I think of it more as like a, a healthy, you know, checking in, um, yeah. talking about the things I might not wish to share with my partner um, mm -hmm. just being able to speak really, really freely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've, I mean, I, I was, and I was more anxious when I was younger, like when I was in law school I, and I was practicing lawyer, uh, I was more of a stress bomb. So uh, physically I was just very thin uh, mm -hmm. when I lost my husband. I, you know, if I look at pictures, everybody says I looked amazing. Well, I look like an, I look like I had an eating disorder mm -hmm. and I didn't, but you know, you know, people love thin women, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so you look great. Yeah. And, um, but I would say physically for me, and this is just different. I was in the really, really terrible shape when I was, when I was a caregiver mm -hmm. and that's something I wish people were more aware of. Um, but that, you know, it's a different issue. Once my husband passed, I think my body kind of recovered on its own again, just because while there was the stress of losing him, there wasn't the stress of being responsible for him. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yep. That's a that great is. point. Stuffing it. Is that healthy? Why or why not? Some people just stuff it. Ignore it. What do y'all have to say about stuffing it? 
doesn't work, can't do it. It always comes back to bite you in the ass. <laughs> or it manifests as some ailment or disease or anxiety. It's mm -hmm. gonna it's gonna come back. That's what I believe because I believe that's what it did to me. I thought I was fine and then I watched fried green tomatoes 10 years later and lose my mind and start <laughs> therapy like two days later. I don't I don't I do think it serves its purpose. I, I really do think it serves its purpose because when it is so hard to even think about, I, I do understand that. So I don't want anybody to say like, oh, you just have to constantly be thinking about it. I don't mm. say that. I just, I do know that the ramifications can manifest as ailments, diseases, all these other things. So I think eventually if you feel like you're in a better spot to maybe start addressing it and sitting through the pain or whatever, a little bit at a time, mm -hmm. that would be my opinion. <laughs> Debbie. Yeah. I, I think we're also talking about the difference between quote unquote, stuffing it and compartmentalizing. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And some people are better they're better at that than others. You know, um, for some people, com compartmentalizing might work. For others, maybe you just need a really extended period amount of time when you are not, you know, socially viable, uh, whatever that means. Uh, but no, stuffing is a, is a terrible idea. I think it's a very archaic idea. Mm -hmm. And it was one that was one in place when I lost my mom, when I was 10, the idea, I always said, how come I never got counseling? How come nobody ever asked me was I was okay. And worse right. yet, how come people made me play dodgeball and do my damn algebra homework? You know, mm -hmm. I really, I never really got to mourn my mother mm -hmm. and I got over that, you know, I'm, I, I had a great dad, but what, what I was told, and it's oddly enough, my stepmom's a pediatrician. She's explained to me that at that time in 1973, the model was that if a kid seemed to be doing fine they thought it was better not to bring it up and that just let the kid was like processing it or doing whatever on their own. And that it was worse to, to make, to have them talk about it, which is, which is ridiculous. Things changed, I think later in the seventies, mm -hmm. but I, I think the point I'm making is this is a very, very archaic model and it, it doesn't work. And I think it also goes to the shame of grieving, like complicated grief. How dare you? Oh my God, can you get over it better? I always had the sense that, you know, a good widow gets over this and moves on with her life. A bad widow wallows. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think very much get, getting, I, I think there's an empathy, I think there's a shame that comes with grief and also that comes with loneliness mm -hmm. and that it is so important to get rid of that. I agree. I agree 100% because there are those. I guess, impressions that you get from your peers when you're still grieving, but they're past the situation. Did you ever find that? Like, I know with mine, when my son died, he wasn't gone two months and people were like, what are you still sad for? Everything happens for a reason. Saying all that cliche stuff. Now I'm only 18 years old, y'all. Mm. I'm a young girl. And I remember sitting in rooms and everyone's just living around me and thinking, your worlds are going on, but mine can't. And how can you tell me to just get over it? Mm. Stuff it. <laughs> I, I have some thoughts on this and this is something that I didn't realize until I got out of my relationship that I just did. And it was 
my, in a lot of ways, I feel like I did okay with my mom's death in other ways. I think my boyfriend was very uncomfortable with me talking about my mom at any capacity. And he equated me talking about my mom as I wasn't over her death. So mm -hmm. he thought I needed help. And I have a lot of resentment towards him about that. And I actually asked him when we broke up, like, Hey, what did you mean by like, you know, how did you know I wasn't over my mom's death? And he goes, well, I could just tell the way that you talked about her. And I just, I didn't even address it, but I knew that that was going to be the answer. Like, how dare him tell me that I'm not over my mom because I talk about her. Right. Like I want to honor my mom. I want to keep her alive in my memory for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. but I think it was him selfishly not knowing how to handle me because I wasn't sobbing in tears anytime. I like maybe sometimes, but it wasn't, yeah. you know, like, Oh God, here we go again. Melissa never, never yeah. liked that. And so I really had to reconcile that, that somebody else was putting their beliefs. And so I've spent the past couple months differentiating like, okay, was I actually kind of okay when my mom was gone for 10 years besides my debilitating anxiety? Like I didn't drink myself, drug myself to death. Well, I did for a couple of months, but like not for 10 years straight. Right. And so I like, I'm trying to differentiate like whose, whose belief was that? And I believe that it was his and he just didn't know how to handle even just talking. And so I think, yeah, like just s somebody else telling you how to do, when to do, how to be is like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, ha I have some resentment about it. And so I don't feel like any, it should be anybody else's place to tell somebody. Yeah. How to do that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's like, I mean, you just completely kind of answered what I was feeling as that young girl mm. for sure. Debbie, yeah. do you have anything to add on that? I do. Um, you know, one, I, I think that losing, I mean, just off the top of my head, you know, Nicole, when you lost, you know, your baby and all, I, I think that it's only maybe even recently that people are starting to look at the loss of an infant early on with, with true compassion and understanding that that changes lives. I don't have any kids, but I do understand my under from my reading that that has been glossed over in the past, that that isn't something that women were allowed to properly mourn as the loss of a, of a child. Mm -hmm. And from friends I've spoken with who are older, that's mm -hmm. my understanding um, that that kind of grief has never been acknowledged, has, you know, societally wasn't acknowledged as, as the loss of a child. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's from my girlfriends, something I understand. Um, as a widow, I, I don't have kids, so ignore that if that was totally off the mark. Um, yeah, no, no. Um, what I found, um, well, actually, women were fine. Men sucked because mm -hmm. a lot of them seemed very uncomfortable with the idea that I would like burst into tears or that I was never over my husband. I wrote about this. I mean, this is this why I started to write. I have articles out there about um, what not to say to a widow. And please let it, and if you want us to feel better, let us talk about the people we've lost. This is the stuff I've written over the years because yeah. we integrate our losses. We do not get over them. They become a part of us. Mm -hmm. And what's important is that we incorporate them into our lives. So every time, Melissa, that you have a dish that reminds you of maybe something your mom made or that, or a special occasion you had talking about it is healthy to my mind. This is yep. the good stuff. I talk about my late husband all the time. He was with me for 32 years of my life. Over half my life was with him. Yeah. 
And that men were threatened by the fact that I guess he was a good man or somehow I was in their case that I was supposed to be accepting real shit is, an, is another issue. Um, yeah, dating turned me into a misandrist. Not the point of this, but <laughs> I do realize you have to have a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, I may have one of my own someday. Probably not. Yeah. But one thing that really did help me is, is like my current partner um, really understood and, and likes my late husband too. We both love George. We listened to records on his turntable. I think it was his lot the other night. You know, my late husband to me is an absent friend. And I was lucky enough to find a partner who thought of George as an absent friend and not be threatened by that. But I do think in my case that some of the, the discomfort I felt from people when I spoke about my husband was that they would think I would have an emotional breakdown that would be uncomfortable for them. And people aren't ha happy dealing with yep. unhappy people. And secondly, that, that, that some men were just simply threatened. Yep. And that's on them because mm -hmm. we should all be grownups at some point. Mm -hmm. And you should be able to talk about your loved one. That is, to me, that is how I have gotten over other griefs that I've experienced in my life. I keep that person alive, that memory. Yeah. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to talk about someone that meant something to you. Right. It really is because people are uncomfortable and they don't know what to do, how to say, what to be. That's why mm -hmm. I'm just honest. I've lost both of my parents and I still don't know what to say to people when they've lost people. And I just say that I'm like, I know nothing I can say can help. And I'm not even good at this. Like it is awkward, but instead of making the other person feel bad, like just admit it like, oh, I don't know what to say or whatever. And that's exactly how I do it too. When someone experiences a death that they can't handle. I come in as a space holder. I tell them, I don't know what to say to make you feel better because there's nothing that's going to make you feel better. No words are going to make you feel better unless I can bring your loved one back. Right. Yep. So I think that is a fair thing to say is instead of saying those insensitive things, maybe, or to say, I'm holding this against you because when you talk about it, I feel you're going off on these, you're trying to relive in this, you know, grief mode. You're just trying to say, hey, I have a memory and I want to share it with you because you're my person. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've written, you know, when I was promoting my book and stuff, I, you know, I was posting a lot on social media and occasionally somebody would tell me something like, I remember one hearing one time and somebody like, well, you know, losing a husband, sure, but imagine being a twin and losing your twin or imagine this. Mm. And I just started to put, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. I cannot imagine going through what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And that was not great, but at least it let me answer something because I felt kind of awkward. It's like, no, I can't speak to this. And mm -hmm. maybe just, you know, I can't imagine going through that to me was helpful. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is, if you know somebody, sharing a good memory is helpful. When my husband passed, some of his friends didn't contact me, and I was like, "Why?" And they were awkward; they didn't know. But his colleagues, who he worked with, a lot of some of them wrote me letters with a good oh. memory of him, mm. and that was um, that was very meaningful to me. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's another thing that you can do for someone that might be grieving a loss is if you have a memory share it with that person that was closest to them so that they can have that to hold on to maybe pull it out once in a while to give you yep. something to smile about yep what is the craziest thing someone has done 
to you while you were in your grief. Like for me, for example, I had people coming up to me. So at the funeral for my son, that same year, a bunch of babies in my husband's family were born. So there were a bunch of babies the same age as my son would have been were at the funeral. And I was holding a baby. I wasn't feeling any type of way. I was, you know, just being a gracious host at this thing. And my aunt ran over to me and was like, are you okay? Like I was about to go crazy at any moment. Has anybody ever treated you that way? Like they're waiting for the mental breakdown. My ex-husband also had said to me, when I bought you our dog, I was afraid you were gonna dress it in baby clothes. Now, why would you think something like that? Has anybody ever said something off the wall or made you feel Debbie is nodding her head, Debbie? <laughs> well, okay. When I uh, lost my husband, I contacted, I was very, I was pretty isolated. That's one thing that, you know, helped me after I lost him to make connections to realize I needed friends. And I contacted a very old friend of mine. I hadn't seen since college. And apparently she had not loved my husband much, although he was an amazing person who was loved by all and was such a good person to the folks he worked with. And his parents, I'm gonna cry. And she said, well, you know, I always thought he was holding you back and now you have a chance for a new life. Wow. Yeah, if you don't, you know, that, that's something you keep to yourself, right? He's not yes. gonna learn from this. No. And I was just, I was just like, great. Well, now you're kind of making me cast years of my life in doubt. and. It, it, needless to say, we did not stay connected very long. <laughs> you hung up five seconds later. Well, yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Melissa, did you ever experience? <laughs> I haven't, except for, uh, I don't even know. It's not even a story, but so if I lost my mom, I had. I have a stepdad who is now remarried. And sometimes I feel like his new wife is not the most tactful in the way that she says things. She'll say things about my mom. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm, I'm sitting right here. My, my daughter's right there. Mm -hmm. And it, so that's really the only thing is some, that would be my experience. I've never had anybody, you know, like, what Debbie was saying, but that stuff kind of pisses me off because <laughs> um, she obviously never knew her or whatever. And right. yeah, but I just think once again, it's their own stuff and I just have to be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So what advice can we offer people maybe to start doing something differently around a grieving person? I think being aware or maybe this, I don't even want to say having a script in your pocket. I don't want to say that, but knowing that the cliche things to say aren't, I don't want to say they're bad, but just being mindful or asking, Hey, what do you need right now? Or how can I support you? Um, I've also been told by a widower that that wasn't the best thing. Cause like, they can't even think right now. So it's like, you just make the decision. Um, but that would be my advice. She probably has way better advice, but no. <laughs> um, I, I would say don't abandon us. I mean, I think people are uncomfortable mm -hmm. around somebody who's grieving, um, especially at first and it's come and the idea is, well, maybe they want to be left alone and we can make that decision. A grieving person 
can make that decision for themselves. So I would say don't abandon them. But and and it is hard. I know, and I have heard that too, Melissa. Or someone says, you know, what can I do? You know, you want to. What are you going to say? Well, I kind of need my house painted, right? You're not going <laughs> right. to. But I think it helps. Please don't to abandon the grieving person, and to offer something small and easy to do. Like, would you like to have coffee and talk, or um, do you want to go for a walk? I'm a big walker. Yeah. So like, if I don't know what to do with a person, if I'm grieving or not, I'll be like, oh, do you want to go for a walk? And like for a grieving person, I think it helps to like say, oh, I walk, you know, I walk a lot. Do you want to walk this week? Do you want to walk next week? Just to offer, um, to get together for something modest and easy to do. Yeah, I like that. Melissa, what about you? Is there anything that you can think to offer to do with someone that might be grieving? Like what would have been something for you when you were grieving? I think definitely trying to be really intuitive about if the person really wants to be alone or not, because maybe they're just saying that because they are thinking, oh, I don't want to burden this person but the person offering is being sincerely genuine and being like, if you need to get out of the house, let's get out of the house. If you want me to come over and just have wine and not talk about it or talk about it for five hours, like I genuinely will do that. I just need you to, to tell me. So maybe just picking up if somebody can picking up the cues, you know, if Debbie was like, Oh no, it's fine. And I'm like, she's saying it's fine, but I'm not thinking it's fine. Like maybe kind of press them a little bit to see if they're like, okay, you're right. Like I really could use a friend or something. Um, so not pushing, but maybe just reading a little bit past that and, and asking yourself, are they, are they saying one thing, but their body language is saying a different thing. And I can tell they actually would maybe want me over there. Um, just being more mindful in, in that area. Yeah, yeah, I agree. My husband works nights, so he would leave the house at like one in the afternoon and wouldn't come home till one in the morning. Mm -hmm. And my mother's friend who was my friend who used to say, Hey, I live right next to where your husband works, have him drop you off and you can stay at my house and you, we can just chill. And mm -hmm. that way you're not alone. And that to me was a nice offer. I could take it, yeah. her up on it or I didn't have to. Yeah. And that was, it was comforting to know that I had, I didn't have to sit alone. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So what are some healthy coping mechanisms that y'all discovered in your processes? Ooh. Journaling, I think for sure, sitting in the emotions. Um, I'm not saying that has to be done immediately after, but at some point, you know, and then sometimes like people are like, what does that even mean? Like, am I just supposed to sit in a chair and be like, okay, emotions, like I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm not saying that, <laughs> but I am saying if you're feeling something, maybe not turn on the TV or something and just be present with them because they might pass a lot faster than you think they do. You know, mm -hmm. even if you have a bout of sadness, you know, or something for, for a while, um, I definitely think, yeah. And talking about them, keeping their memory alive. Yeah. I think is a wonderful thing to do and getting to like getting to share our stories now, like that's a way mm -hmm. to honor 
our loved ones. And I think it's, it's great. And it's not, you know, so easy to do at the very beginning, but as you know, time goes on, it's like, we can do this. And you're like, Oh, this, this was, this is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Debbie. Um, are we talking about honoring our loved ones or kind of like coping with the grief um, healthy coping mechanism? <laughs> yeah, well, I okay. went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, I'm, um, <laughs> monkey mind here. I think <laughs> for me, um, what helped me in terms of losing a spouse, you know, losing my companionship was ultimately was joining some groups, you know, the mm-hmm. things that helped me, and this wasn't right at the start, right. You know, I couldn't do that at the beginning, but for me, you know, being alone in the house, four walls, four walls, a retired person, And so what helped me was ultimately starting to join some groups in a really calm kind of way, you know, things that were really low stakes, like I joined the yoga class. And then look, there were friendly women. Um, Ultimately, when I was doing a little better, and I didn't like my weekends, and was really questioning living as a single person, I joined hiking groups. And so I would spend my weekends hiking in a nice co-ed group with friendly folks. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's really helped me. You know, I moved two years ago and I'm in a new community and what helped me was looking at a few groups and saying, well, I could, I could join this. And Hey, there's a Facebook group for hikers that that's here. And that's, that's, what's really helped me. Cause from there you get connections with people and you, you can open your front door and, and feel, feel better. At least for me. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Sometimes when we lose someone close to us or we're grieving, we, sometimes go into a headspace of why am I here? Why am I the one that's still living? Why aren't they here? And so for those people that are out there feeling that, because I know I felt that I had survivor's guilt because my health was in jeopardy too. Um, Is it, is it okay to live? Mm. Well, I would say yes. I never, I didn't deal with survivor's guilt, but of course the answer is yes. Um, Debbie might be able to speak a little bit more onto that, but I haven't, I didn't experience that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I did experience that because, you know, my husband passed and I felt that I'd been a bad caregiver and he was in denial. So I had a lot of anger. He, you know, he did some things that made it very difficult towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I did have a lot of survivor's guilt and it took me a long time to get over it. Therapy was a huge help. I really, therapy really, I needed, needed that mm-hmm. to really deal with the survivor's guilt more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I mean, ultimately, I think we have to accept and believe that the people we've lost would want us to live the best lives we could. And that we, I don't like, I don't believe in like everybody has a purpose kind of thing, but but the idea that we can still have connections and, and have good lives and, and get over our guilt with that, you know, again, writing helped me. I think that's kind of my subtext when I talk is that writing really helped me and sharing this publicly actually helped me. Cause I remember I was a Huffington Post blogger and I wrote a thing about caregiver guilt and how I just felt so awful and how I yelled at my husband. And within like a few hours, I had 80 comments from other people saying they'd been through the same thing don't blame yourself. They'd want you, he'd want you to have a good life. 
And that was a real turning point for me to realize I hadn't really done anything wrong. I'd done the best I could in super hard circumstances. And that's what I'd want to tell other people who have this kind of guilt. Like you did the best you could in super hard circumstances. And it, you know, if when they're in their right minds and everything, the people you loved want you and who still love you and, and yourself, you, you deserve to have a good life. You haven't done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. How can we take what we have lost and incorporate it into our lives? So how, how have you all taken what you've lost and incorporated it into your, in your lives now? Mm. For me, starting my podcast was like the whole, I needed to heal like and deal with my mom's losing her and the anxiety that I had. So I feel like I felt so alone. Um, none of my friends had lost their mom. I still believe that I'm still the only one in like my close friend circle that had lost their mom. And so I felt alone in a lot of situations. Like my daughter obviously couldn't relate. My boyfriend couldn't relate. There's nobody around me that can relate to my story. And so I hated knowing that there were other people alone, not necessarily that have lost parents, whatever their situation, they just felt isolated and alone, especially during COVID. Um, so that's when I did start my podcast to start to have other people share stories of whatever they were going through to inspire others or to have stories of like, oh, I kind of relate to this. I can relate to, you know, Debbie's story and wow, she made it, she made it through and she's done all this amazing stuff or whatever. Um, so I feel like I did finally turn my pain into a purpose and to like help others know that, um, like another thing is with losing my mom at the age that I did, I feel like you know, that support system. So me wanting to help people, I don't know. I just had, I've had to work through like so much stuff that like anything that I've had to work through and I've overcame, I want to help other people do the same thing, whether that has to be with grief or self-worth issues or whatever yeah. it is. Um, so that's how I've been able to, you know, turn that around and make a difference and an impact. I like it. Debbie. Um, I very much wanted, I think, to help other widows feel that they weren't alone. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, you know, I helped, I don't know how successful I've been with that, but I, I did kind of want to share what that was like and some of the depths because I didn't think that was really being communicated. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started my blog. Nicole, I know you like my email address, the hangover, hangover widow. My blog was the hangover widow. <laughs> I love when that. When I put that, that in this morning to share that link, I chuckled. I said, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that because I wanted to be like, yeah, you know, we're messed up when this yep. happens. Feel, yep. Don't feel alone if you're handling this in a way you think is not good. Right. You know, so I really wanted to share some of that and, and, and help, and help other widows, I guess, to feel less alone and also to see the absurdity and just the very much the surrealism of when you are a single person after a long relationship and you're, you're a little older, well, like I am, you're midlife people. Um, and that led me to, you know, my, the articles I've written in some places and, and ultimately and my book. And now just in general, you know, talking to widows, if that's, if that, or grievers, if that comes up. Yeah. 
Ladies, do you have any other things you want to talk about as far as grief goes that maybe I didn't get to? Hmm. The only thing that I feel for me, because I didn't talk about my dad at all. And if, if either of you ladies were like, oh, she talks about her mom a lot. The one interesting thing about my dad is when I lost my dad, it was a completely different situation. I was grieving a relationship I never got to have with my dad because he was in my life younger. But then when my parents divorced, he basically went his separate ways. And I talked to him twice a year on holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I lost him, it sucked. It was still painful. So, you know, there's so many different degrees of grief and, and all those things. And one of them can be the grief of losing somebody that wasn't even really in your life to begin with. So that messed me up in a way. Like when I found out when he passed away, I was crying. He was gone, but I was more crying that I knew I was never going to get the chance to have a relationship with him ever again. Like the, that sealed the deal right there, you know? Um, and so maybe a listener, you know, has experienced that type of grief before of mourning, mourning that type of loss that they'll never get that opportunity. Yeah. So my dad died that. before I was able to meet him. So I can completely yep understand that, that I had these hopes and dreams of my father is out there. And when I went to look for him, he was gone forever. So yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of experienced that a little bit with losing my mom because, you know, I lost yeah. her when I was 10 and there were times in adolescence when I thought it would have been a lot easier if I'd had a mom yeah. to help me with certain things. Yes. I figured out tampons by myself, can I say that? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You know, and, and ultimately other kinds of things. So sometimes I sort of missed her and I missed who I would have been maybe if I'd had a mom. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. I kind of delve into that again in my book. It's kind of like the idea of my being the ghost of who I would have been if my mom had lived and I would have had that. Um, winding it down though, the one thing that I do want to say is that, you know, if you are for a kind of grief, if you're willing to look at it, it I think things can get a lot better. Um, it just takes a super long time. And that's kind of my message because 10 years after my loss, my husband died in 2013. Overall, not on every day, I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy and my life is really different and it's a lot better, but I didn't feel that way one, two, or even three years. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just want to talk about that. The recovery and, and making change and things just takes so much longer, but that you don't know what's going to happen in the future. There is still this sense of a possible better future with, with less sorrow. Yep. Yeah, I agree 100%. So if anyone wants to reach out to you girls to discuss grief with you, is there ways that they can find you? For me, you can check out, um, just the website. My website is easiest, bright, the bright side of life podcast.com. And there's a contact page on there. I'm happy to answer any questions or to talk with you. Um, I love that. The bright side of life. Um, My last name's bright. So it works. Sorry. Yeah. I see. So cheerful. Um, (laughs) You can find me uh, through my website, Debbie Weiss author. And the easiest way to find me as Nicole did is on Facebook where I'm Debbie Weiss. My, I don't look at my author page much there anymore, but I am Debbie Weiss. Um, on Facebook. And I'm also Debbie Weiss author on Instagram. And I hang out on both of those places and my, and my website, Debbie Weiss author. Someone just contacted me through there today. So I I know it works. 
Nice. And what is the title of your book, Debbie? Uh, can I do this? Is this yeah, cheesy? absolutely. Okay, yes. This is, okay, this isn't cheesy. My book is available as is, A Midlife Widow's Search for Love. Um, and that's available as is because us older singles are kind of like, you know, we're, we're available as is. We have, we have our baggage. <laughs> I oh, love, love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> and can we, where can we purchase that? Um, it's on Amazon. Perfect. Uh, it's, it's, it's 99 cents because I want more readers. It's on Kindle Unlimited. And, you know, I always put a plug in though for, for local bookstores because my local bookstore here in Benicia has been so awesome to me. Awesome. I'm, gonna grab, I'm on Amazon. Awesome. I'm going to grab a copy off of Amazon, especially at that price. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely feel free to reach out to these ladies, especially if you're going through something, if you've lost a spouse, if you've lost a loved one, if you're going through a relationship loss, anything, reach out and talk to these women because they've gone through it too. Girls, I appreciate you having this conversation with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking us. This has been awesome. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, this has thank been. You. And thank you for sharing and being so open because I feel like the more we are open, the more conversations we can have on these subjects, the more people will stop saying silly things to people and maybe lift some stigma that surrounds things that we all go through. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for spending time listening to our conversation. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe, like, and share so we can reach more listeners with our powerful messages. And stay tuned to hear about our affiliates and recommendations. They change from episode to episode.